What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, joined by my co-host, Alan Sterk. Tonight we are doing our rapid reactions to the Atlanta Falcons week 14 42 14 blowout win over the los angeles rams you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right alan start us off because i got some nitpicks i gotta i gotta get into so uh get out all those pauses before i start laying into this team i know you got laid into a team that didn't have either starting wide receiver obviously the rams Defense is going to come out with some purpose, given that the last few weeks have been smooth for them. And then defensively, look, they were always going to have the advantage, but just anything's possible given the amount of youth and just undisciplined play with the defense. But they took control of pretty much everything and should have often struggled with the ball, but that was to be expected. None of the wide receivers could be counted on to win against man coverage on a snap-to-snap basis. So that didn't really surprise me, the fact that Ryan was able to move the ball. And I thought Shan's game plan was very methodical and efficient for the most part. Sure, there was a couple of breakdowns in pass protection, but look, St. Louis obviously has some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Did miss Robert Quinn, but at the same time, I thought Greg Williams' blitzes actually were pretty effective, at least the first half. And eventually things obviously broke down. But other than that, man, very encouraging performance. I, there was some worry going to this one because obviously, look, L.A., they do have some talent, as mentioned, but they also know known for snatching up in December because that's just a Jeff Fish thing to do. And this game was over by the early third quarter, so kudos to Dan Quinn's squad. Absolutely, I agree with that. I, I'm only partially joking with a nitpick. I do think the run defense could have played a little bit better, and I think the special teams could have played better. But those are minor gripes in terms of an overall solid performance. You mentioned it, given that the Falcons were missing you know, some key components on offense, namely Julio Jones, partially Mohamed Sanu, and, and Jake Matthews was, was beat up too. And at a certain point, it seemed like Devontae Freeman got a little nicked up because it just seemed like it was always – Tevin Coleman in the game. I guess we'll have to find out a little bit more information on that. Maybe they were saving him. Maybe there was something going on that we don't know about. I, I don't know about that because I saw Freeman take a shovel pass, which was at least in the late third quarter, if not early fourth quarter. No, so, no. Look, he he kept he stayed in the game. It just seemed like there was a big chunk of the game, and maybe it was just because of how little the offense was doing in terms of running the football, but it seemed like there was a big chunk of the game where he was not in the game, where they weren't doing the usual three snaps for you, three snaps for you. You know, it just seemed like there was a couple of series where it seemed like Coleman was getting all the work in the backfield. All right, that's a valid point. I obviously got to look back on and see what happens, but I'm sure they just wanted to switch it up. And look, Coleman, I don't know, I guess we could say I had a better game. It was weird. Freeman looked off. Obviously, you have to look at the all twenties to see what happened on the field running plays. But like that screen on third down, I was shocked that he got stolen by Dominic Easley with acres of space. Like you don't usually see a 
plus 300 pound defensive tackle stop a running back in the open field, especially a running back as shifty as Freeman. So he did look a little bit off. And he fell, obviously, on the shallow pass. Yeah. But, you know, I think I think you're right about Shanahan. I know people were a little complaining about his play calling early in the game. It was a very conservative game plan. I don't blame him at all. I think, you know, given that you don't have key components on your offense, you can't really run the full extent of your playbook. I probably would have preferred a little bit more of Justin Hardy in the slot over Nick Williams. But Nick Williams made some um, big catches in this game, you know. Um, so I can't really complain about it. Big praise for Nick Williams. Obviously, we've been critical of him in the past, but for him to, to come off the practice squad and really make some key catches, he's always been a very good route runner. But at the same time, he some of these plays, we'll see if it was against man or zone, but he was getting separation, and he broke a few tackles as well. It was a very good performance, and it makes you wonder if next week, I know it sounds like Sidhu's going to be back, but if they want to rest Louisville one more week, which they definitely has an option to, maybe Nick Williams could definitely step in again. Maybe, um, yeah. I think I think overall a solid offensive performance. I, I like. You know, oh, sorry, we should mention he did get concussed. I don't even know if he's able to. That's a that's a fair point as well. Yeah, I uh, forgot about that. Yeah, the Falcons were dealing with a lot of injuries. Kamal Ishmael left the game. John uh, Collins, Devondre Campbell left and then came back. Um, Brooks Freed, but then yeah. he came back. Yeah. So um, Collins did come back, but I would assume because the game was pretty much over. So I think it's maybe one minor thing you have to watch out for. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely have updates hopefully tomorrow on some of these injuries to sort of see how serious they are. Um, you know, I think you know I think the key of this game, the overall story of this game, was sort of the turnovers. And I think you know, uh, even though the run defense gave up a hundred yards, hundred and four yards on the ground, which is less than ideal. Um, given how sort of one-dimensional the game should have been at a certain point. But the Rams just com- stayed committed to the run because they, that was the only way they were effective at moving the ball. Um, I, I do think the defense played well. They they were able to, you know, I don't know if dominate is the right word, but when you get five turn, whatever, you know, I guess it, they got as close to a domination as, as we've sort of seen, certainly in the second half of this season, five turnovers, the team was able to generate 28 points off of those turnovers, including two defensive touchdowns. Great play by De- uh, Deion Jones with the interception on the pick six. Great individual play by Vic Beasley as well on his sack strip that he uh, scooped up for a score and, and then did not get to the rim. Um, but uh, I, I think overall a very good game for the, for the defense. I like that the pass rush was able to sort of dominate a bad Rams offensive line, similar to what we saw in that Denver game earlier this season. Um, yeah, and, you know, it was nice to see my boy Deji Olatoye breaking up some passes out there. Yeah, and Ricardo yeah, Allen getting an interception. And maybe, you know, two weeks in a row he's had pretty solid games. Maybe that will quiet some of the – Eric Berry talked for a little bit. I don't know. Here's a pretty cool stat. So golf attempted 41 passes, and the Falcons broke up 10 of them, all for led with three passes defense. So secondary was running. But look, obviously, golf is very inaccurate, and some of his decision-making was horrendous, especially in terms of holding on to the ball for too long, which I think was the issue. I want to say on the second Beasley sack, although I know he fell by tripping over himself, or I don't even know how to explain that. But yeah. Look, golf is obviously way over his head at the moment. I don't know. Thursday, playing against Seattle is good for his soul, but 
I think the defense obviously made plays. Uh, poor Freeney. Freeney can't get a sack, man. I thought Freeney, just a couple of times, he beat Robinson bed. Just can't get that sack, but I'm sure he doesn't mind. And how about the interior of Hageman and Babineau? I, I, a few times flushed. Upshaw got some pressure as well. Upshaw forced a fumble too, man. Oof. Which was a very dirty looking fumble when you think about it. Like it was like a big uh, barrage and just at the end of the play, but. As uh, Dan Quinn loves to say in his eight catchphrases, eight catchphrases, it's all about the ball. Yeah. I mean, it, the interesting thing is when you look at the this game on paper, you can look at the offensive stats, the Rams and the Falcons, pretty much in every category, the Rams had a outproduced the Falcons. Third downs, rushing yards, total yards, first downs. Um you know, I, that, way, I think you're looking way too much at the stats. I no, 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 no. I you you cut me off before I could make my point. All I, was, right. I was just going to say I don't think the the eyeball test passes what the paper test All says. Right. Um, right. So I I do think you know if you know w- what ends up happening oftentimes is people sort of forget the eyeballs. Um, the eye you know the eyeballs fade away and then we go back later on and we look at the stat sheets in the box scores and so you know I think it would be a mistake for people further down the line to look back at this game and say, Oh, well the Rams offense did really well against the Falcons defense, even though um, on paper it did. I think the Falcons defense played well. It wasn't a perfect game. I wish they had not, you know, given up that last garbage touchdown, but that's a personal preference. Um, the reason I cut you off was because I think the, your take on the run defense is a bit exaggerated. I didn't see the Rams really established a run until the third quarter, and that time it was, what, 28 nothing. Game was pretty much over. So to me, uh, look, the run defense is an issue in itself, but I don't think it's an example from this game. I just think at the end of the day, clearly had a few runs. Look, the interior is soft. I think we know this by now. It may not soft, but undersized. Don't want to slander Grady Jared, who I thought had another very good game. Ever since the bye, Jared has kind of rejuvenated because, like, we've been talking about in the past, the Philadelphia game was arguably his worst game of the year, but the last three games, he's been flying off the line of scrimmage and major kudos to him. Okay. I, look, I I think that's all fair. I do think pretty much throughout the entire game, every time it was a first and 10, the Rams ran the ball, they got five or six yards. So I I do think I'll that. I'll say two or three times. No, man. no. When you go back and watch the game, you're going to see yeah, a when lot. Yeah, I'm talking about when it was competitive. Okay. Which I know wasn't competitive for very long. It wasn't so competitive for very long. It wasn't, you know, you could argue it wasn't competitive after the first play of the game. <laughs> we already knew what was going to happen after that, you know, the kickoff uh, on the muff kickoff. That was sort of an indicator of how this day was going to go for both teams. Um, but, I, I, you know, again, like people will say I'm nitpicking and it, it is a nitpick. But I, I do think the running run defense was not as good. Um, you know, but no one's going to care because, you know, we won 42-14, but it is an issue in my opinion. But, you know, that's something that's at this point, I'm not expecting it to get solved. So that's just me complaining about something for the sake of complaining. How about Taylor Gabriel? Good. Uh, it was interesting on that touchdown. It was kind of like what Caroline does with Ted Ginn, where it's like, Lines up in a slot, runs across the seam, and for some reason, nobody picked him up. And I always see that with Carolina. It's either nobody picks him up or a linebacker is running 30 yards downfield, like uh, Craig Robertson on the Thursday night game, I think, a couple of weeks ago. 
And if you remember last year, Ted Ginn got the Atlanta where Phil Wheeler was stuck on coverage and Ricardo Allen was maybe a step or two late picking him up. It just, this, it's kind of just like a scene breaker where I, I don't know if it was Ogletree's responsibility or when the safety just completely was that position, but it was a well-designed play call and good pass protection. Ryan's going to hit that every time and boom. It looked like it was a little bit of both. It looked like the linebacker did not run with him when he should have and the safety you know, basically was stuck in a position where he was covering two deep receivers. He chose, he, he, he stayed outside as opposed to staying inside um, and staying at home. You know, I, I'd like to point out that if, if that had been Ricardo Allen, he would have stayed at home and not given up an easy touchdown on that play. But, hey, you know, not everybody can be Rico. Carl Allen's tied for the team leading the interceptions. See, that's your hot takes that. <laughs> Is that true? With two picks? It's time yeah, for the team lead. You have Alford, you have Deion Jones. Oh, no, wait, Jones has three now. Ooh. Didn't Alford have three? He had two in the Carolina game. Didn't he get another one at some point? Nope. Okay. So, right. He had a couple of nice pass breakups today. $38 million men, as you like to call him now. Yes, yes he is. Yes, so. He had a holding call, so I know the, the Alford haters got really upset about that one. I I want to, I got to see that on the all 22 because some of the calls, like that Brian Quick – Offensive pass interference. I have no idea what the refs saw. In that <laughs> they play. saw they saw Olatoye diving and thought that, that quick pushed off and he didn't. But it was you know great oh, acting job by the the young Deji Olatoye. Uh, but then, like I mentioned before, with Deion Jones, I think one thing that really stands out is just his instincts. Like, he looks like a, sometimes a six year veteran out there. Like, I think on the first play, he kind of messed up where uh, I think they ran a reverse to Austin. And he kind of went inside, and he got taken out by a cut block. But just in coverage, obviously the interception, great athletic play. But there was a third down stop where he was covering Kendricks, and he was all over it and nearly picked off. Just you see him out there, and like I don't know with Kim and Campbell, it's kind of like contrasting. Or Campbell's been kind of criticized for his lack of awareness or instincts, while Jones has been more praised for it. But I think it's just something that should be given more recognition. Fair enough. It, you would say this is one of his better games, right? I know look, the touchdowns all great, but uh, I just saw him flying to a ball more. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't, other than that Philadelphia game, I don't think I've really had any issue with anything Deion Jones has done in the last couple of weeks. So, um, Well, earlier in the year, we were both talking about he was missing far too many tackles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. O- Oakland game. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the first month of the season, he was a little, you know, a little up and down. Uh, I think he sort of solidified it after that. Um, yeah, you know, it, you're probably right. I'm just trying to, I like, I think he's had a couple of solid games other than that Philadelphia game. So, you know, that would be the only thing that would keep me from saying this was his best game. But you're probably right. Without, I would have to sit here and think hard. And I, I think you're probably right. I think we've gone too long without highlighting Vic Beasley, who, according to buddies that came on Thursday, Rob Havenstein was their best offensive lineman and Beasley abusing him at some points and I don't know what to make of why he's become this force because I think now we could start calling Vic Beasley a force. I don't think this is just a couple spot plays like we've seen maybe not against Kansas City but the Arizona game which look albeit easy matchup and then uh, the Bucks, the Thursday night one, a little bit of a favorable matchup but to me you just see him now putting together these complete performances rather than one or two spot plays. 
Yeah, you know, when I thought it was interesting that our friend said that um, on uh, our last show, just because, like, I sort of expected, B- I thought BZ could dominate Havenstein because I didn't think Havenstein's very good, or at least hasn't been that good this year. So, you know, I think that they're saying that about Havenstein is more commentary on the other four starters on the Rams offensive line, more so than any sort of indicator that Havenstein is actually a good player. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Saffold's really falling off, right? Because oh I thought my, he was the first. He one. was terrible. He was making Babs and Upshaw look like they were twenty-three years old in this game. Jonathan Babnos will always be twenty-three years old in our hearts. <laughs> oh man, Saffold was. Looking, but to be fair to Saffold, I think he has been dealing with injuries recently, so maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Um, you know, that might explain why Ayapati was so bad the other week too. But, uh, you know, I think Beasley, you know, this is he's put together some really solid games, even though, you know, the overall the pass rush wasn't that great against Kansas City. He did make the one positive play in the pass rush, so you can't take any way, anything away from him there. Um, he was consistently able to beat Havenstein with speed and quickness. Uh, those twists early in the game, you know, I like that the, they went after Tim Barnes, who is, you know, as worse poor than man's Joe Hawley. <laughs> no, it's like my, however you think about Mike Person, Tim Barnes is worse. So really, uh, wow, okay. Tim Barnes is garbage. It's always been garbage. He, he does. He loves hitting after West Side Nuts. Um. So yeah, you know, I think the Falcons are now being. It looks like BZ coming into his own in terms of what the things that he's good at, and the Falcons being able to maximize that in some of these games. Um. So I, I think that was good. That this was sort of this was the sort of game I wanted him to have, um, where it was like, yeah, this is a bad offensive line. He should feast. This should be similar to the Denver game because the matchup. But you know, even though Sambrello is much worse a player than Havenstein, if Beasley's made strides, he should be able to treat Havenstein like Sambrello. Uh, you know, in, in terms of measuring how much. Development Beasley has done since that week five game, you know, the the gap between him now and him then is probably the same gap between Havenstein and Sambrello. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy that he was able to have this sort of dominant performance out there. I don't want to project any potential playoff matchup, but people are always talking about how would Atlanta fare against the best NFC team, which is obviously now Dallas, given that what just happened to Seattle today. You look at the offense line versus defense line, look, it's not pretty, but if the line wants to have a chance to game, you look at Vic Beasley going most lucky up against Doug Free, that's like the one matchup you could exploit. And if he could just consistently keep abusing these below average to average tackles, that might be the chance for him to make a run because they are, like, it's so weird because they're 8 5, but all five losses have been by single digits. And besides the Philadelphia loss, you can't really say any other losses have been definitive. There's been a lot of heartbreakers. And Tampa Bay it, probably would be good, the week one game. They only lost by six, and that was for a uh, turnover on downs. Now, it wasn't a heartbreaker because they deserved to lose, but it, you can't say it was definitive. Okay, yeah, I would say they, I think they clearly got outplayed in that game. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, but they had a chance to win the end. Yes. Philadelphia, they didn't. They just got to play simple as that. But, and another thing with Beasley, just in terms of his improvement, do you notice that he's sticking to his bread and butter? He's just making things look simple. And I think he just knows his place now where he's going to use his speed. He's going to dip. He's going to use the rip move. We, I think, uh, voted Keegan Faye 
was talking about how Beasley last year would hesitate and try to do a spin move or just try to do some power. And, yeah, look, his bull rush is still a work in progress, but he looks a little more effective than that compared to the awful spin move. You just see him now just using his speed, being confident, forcing off its all tackles to change direction, which Havenstein did not look comfortable doing, and he's feasting. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the Dallas, the matchup with Dallas, and I think everything you just said was right about Beasley needing to dominate that sort of performance, and and that's sort of and I like I think that speaks to some of the reasons why I've been a little bit hesitant to sort of heap praise on Beasley, and why I'm a little bit butthurt about the run defense in this game because I feel like you know you, your fate if you can't stop the run against the Rams who have basically the worst running game in the league, what are you going to do against Dallas? And, you know, it's one of those things with Beasley, like he needs to dominate pretty much everybody he's he's going to face. Doug Free's not a great right tackle, but if we have any chance against Dallas, it's going to be because Vic Beasley is able to dominate, you know, that side of the line and, and constantly get pressure on, on Dak Prescott. And so you need to start, you know, people need to start holding this team to a much higher standard than they sort of been and sort of looking at this game as, oh, well, they, they, they won by 28 points or whatever they dominated. They were up 42 to nothing. It's all good. No, I think you need to go in, in the deeper because um, what's going to end up happening or what might end up happening is we get to January and you're feeling all good because this team, you know, was kicking the Rams butt and then they get smoked by the Cowboys because the, the things that they're weak at don't match up well with the, the things that the Cowboys are strong at. Uh, but again, you know, that's something that's a bridge across. And that's something I think people need to pay attention to as we get down the, down the stretch. Can Beasley start to string some of these dominant performances uh, together? You know, he's got another relatively easy matchup next week against Trent Brown um, in, in seeing this run defense play a little bit better against a, a better 49ers run game, which is not a good 49ers running game, but it's better than the, what the Rams have. But pretty much, you can fall off of a log and be a better run team than the Rams. But whatever. Um, so I think those are things that people need to look for. And so, you know, before anybody gets too mad about my sort of complaining about nitpicking stuff, then not that's sort of the context I'm coming from. Even though he's somewhat of a liability given his size and interior, I still think Adrian Claiborne definitely be help as a on defender, you look at that San Diego game. He had two consistent stops, or I should say, two consecutive stops, and it was just based off of pure power. And like I know, we kind of got a little bit criticized, and I will change my stance now. I do think Beasley is more than proved his case as the most consistent pass rusher on a team, just based off his points. There's no slant Claiborne. It's just look what Beasley has been doing over the past three weeks. But look at the defensive line. Dare I say it, Aaron? Claiborne gets healthy. They are coming together. Keyword there, defensive line. Mm. Or at least the nickel package. At least the nickel package. Yeah, I should, man, I should definitely set that line a lot better. <laughs> um, last thing I want to mention, the uh, effectiveness of the red zone offense. I was pretty concerned about that going to game, given that the receivers were all under six feet. Robinson, Williams, Gabriel, Hardy. And the uh, red zone offense managed to be successful. Yeah, three for three, right? Yeah, nice throw Ryan to Hardy. Hardy won in traffic. It was a very well-placed ball. Then the screen to Coleman, which is a very good play design. Alex Mack did a very good job on that screen. And the other one, that game was pretty much over, but Coleman scored on a rushing touchdown. But the fact is that the Reds offense, you want to see progression because going three for six the prior week against Kansas City is just unacceptable. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. I, I got nothing else to add to that. You're, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, you just want to see progress there, especially given that the Rams, I was a little surprised the Rams didn't play more press. We could get into that more tomorrow. But look, I thought the Warriors series did as well as they can. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Players stepped up. Guys that needed to step up did. Uh, again, all my issues are, are minor nitpicks, things that th- this team can work on and improve on. Um, just two minor issues out of, you know, 10. So uh, the glass is, is definitely not half empty. It's mostly full. Also credit to Chris Chester for, we guess we could say, surviving Aaron Donald. Look, he gave up a sack and a couple of tackles for a loss, but he survived. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Chester did a good job. I think Shanahan's play calling helped him out there. We'll, that, that'll be something we'll, we'll check out on the All-22 um, it that last touchdown stood out because uh, Donald over pursued and that was openly like Mac took Ogletree out of the play and he Coleman scored. If you rewatch that last touchdown, yeah, 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 I remember that play. I know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, so. um, yeah, yeah. Just you know, I think it was a solid performance for Chris Chester given the relative um, problems he's going to face. I thought Levitri, you know, when Donald lined up on his side on the. Line. I thought Levitri handled himself reasonably well as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that was a big part of what the Falcons were doing offensively. Where it's like, okay, we're going to prevent this one guy from being able to take over this game, um, and I think they did that. And obviously, they were able to put a bunch of points on the board. So. so, something with the Falcons playing these unstoppable forces. You saw last year with JJ Watt, now Aaron Donald. They just blow them right out. It's <laughs> true. It's true. I mean, this game I think reminded me a lot of that that Houston game in a lot of ways. Um, I yeah. thought there were more defensive breakdowns with Houston compared to because uh, remember Julio only had like thirty five yards against Houston last year. Yeah, because he was hurt. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, but you just saw a lot more breakdowns. Well, L A. Besides the bomb to Gabriel, I can't really yeah the point anything else. They, they had some penalties like the horse collar when it was what second twenty two. It's just unreal. Ogletree, so undisciplined. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if, if you want to get into the nitpicky and I guess we'll save this. Which we'll do tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, you, the offense really only put together two good drives this entire game, which is all they really needed. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that it's a negative. I'm just saying like, that's one of the reasons why on paper, they didn't have a good game because they really only needed to put together two good drives. They didn't actually, they didn't need to put it together. Any good drives. They would have won this game handily without it, but it's, it's just, that's one of the reasons why, Statistically speaking, they did not have a great game because they only had two good drives as opposed to the four or five that we've grown accustomed to this season. Yeah, I think Freeman only had six carries in, only for six yards. Jeez, what are you going to do, I guess? But anyway, last thing I want to point out, Falcons are now five and two on the road. Don't see that very often. Over 500 officially on the year, unless obviously those 13 three years. Yeah, um, and the last thing I'll add to that, you know, as we look ahead, uh, potentially, that's why one of the reasons why I don't think getting in the two seed is that big a deal. Like, I don't think it's going to change how this team plays. Yeah, just keep winning. That's why I keep saying, like, as long as they keep winning, look, Tampa, credit to them, man. Dirk Cutter, Mike Smith, they're doing the thing. But at the end of the day, as long as this team keeps winning, they're going to play in January. Yeah. 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 If they drop one, I'm pretty sure just get the 10 wins, and I think everything should be fine and dandy, so. I just see some people freak out about this. It's like, look, at the end of the day, talent will always prevail. 
I don't think we're going to have any case of like a 10, 6, 6 or 11, 5 team miss the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Yeah, unless especially on the NFC. Te- unless a bunch of teams in the NFC get really hot and they all just run the table from this point on. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow where we'll I get more in depth with this game and look at what's going on both sides of the ball. This is a, I don't know, not a memorable win, but it just kind of just weird. Like It's just a weird game. It, yeah, I think that's a, a good way of describing a, a good weird game, but yeah, definitely weird. A big morale booster given that this team desperately needed one given what's just uh, what happened last weekend, kind of just Matt Ryan in general. Yeah. So, yeah. Where can people find you, Aaron? I am on Twitter at FalcFans. I am at Alan underscore Stark. That's A double E N underscore S T R K. All right, guys, we'll be back tomorrow with a guest, um, Derek Klassen. You guys might know him as a QB class on Twitter. He's a guy that covers the Rams um, out in California. He'll give us some insights, but, you know, he hangs out with Charles, so he knows a little bit about the Falcons as well. So uh, we'll talk with him. He writes, he used to write about football journal. Like, he's a really insightful person. He watches the game very closely, analytically. Yes. Yes. So he's a good get. So we'll talk in depth with him tomorrow, and we'll be, you know, back to our regularly scheduled program on Locked on Falcons. Yeah, we'll try to keep it to three Jeff Fisher jokes. I don't know. I think we might push it to four. We'll see. (laughs) All right, I'll see you. All right, talk to you guys later. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. By singing dog... Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.